The Deep Dive with Rumbi Zaivenge, Monday to Thursday, 6 to 9 p.m., the premier current affairs show on radio. The following program is brought to you by the Zimbabwe Election Support Network. Good evening and uh, welcome to uh, The Exchange, proudly sponsored this evening by the Zimbabwe Election Support Network, ZESN. As we continue our conversation around elections and the various stakeholders and how they interact and more importantly, some of the uh, necessary recommendations and conversations around these pivotal groups. This evening we are looking at the youth voice, youth voices against violence during the electoral period. And I am joined in this conversation by Constance Maseko. She's a program's assistant with the YETT and uh, Wilbert Jenner, team leader for Youth by Youths. Also joined by Brighton Tarubirekera, who is the Zimbabwe Election Support Network Projects Officer. Uh, good evening and welcome. Let me start by welcoming, you know, ladies first as always. Constance, uh, good evening and thanks for joining us. Hello, good evening, good evening listeners and thank you for having me today. Oh, what a pleasure. Well, but, uh, good evening and thanks for joining us on the program. Good evening and good evening listeners. Thank you for having me. And Brighton, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Good evening. Thank you. Good evening. So to, to, to start our conversation off, you know, it's often said that the youths are a very big uh, constituent in terms of the elections and there's several issues that then come to the fore particularly the issue of violence um, let's look at the forms of violence that are often experienced during the electoral period uh, perhaps you want to, to, to go first uh, Brighton okay there are various types of uh, violence that may start during the electoral period and most importantly, violence during the electoral process is, is mostly politically motivated violence. It can be electoral violence, it can be political violence. And the difference between electoral and political violence are related to the time and the purpose which violence has been used for. When you talk, for, when you talk about electoral violence, we are taking, talking about a violence that takes place during the electoral, electoral period towards the elections with the purpose of uh, maybe manipulating or changing the course of the elections. Then political, we are saying just the general violence relating to politics. It may be by political candidates, by political supporters, by members of the various uh, sectors of society and it relates to, to politics. So when it comes to the electoral cycle or the election season, there are mainly two types of violence. There's electoral violence, there's political violence. However, we find also politically motivated violence being part of the domestic violence. Maybe you find the, the, the spouse, there's a husband and a wife. The husband is supporting political party A, the lady supporting political party B. Then politics is now taken to the home and it becomes now domestic violence, although it is politically motivated yes. interesting um wilford do you also want to, to to add on that in terms of some of the forms of of violence that manifest during the electoral period yes so there's also sexual violence uh, usually it happens when a candidate is trying to get uh, sexual activity um, uh, sexual activity from a, 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 a lady 
or a young girl. And also there's psychological violence, whereby the use of threats and causes in fear to a, a certain individual. So that's some of uh, the, the violence that occurs in electoral period. Uh, Constance, do you also want to weigh in? Are there any other forms or how else does violence manifest during this electoral period? Okay, thank you. I think my colleagues have shared almost everything, but I would like to flag out the silent form of violence that um, exists during electoral processes. So you realize, um, especially in um, periphery, in far, in hard to reach communities, uh, the geographically marginalized communities, there are issues of lack of information where um, the constituents or the citizens have lack of information in regards to electoral processes uh, from the voter registration and also on the roles and the responsibilities of elected candidates. So that lack of uh, information is also some kind of um, violence to the constituents because it's more more of discriminating them in effect and meaningfully participating in um, in the process. Uh, and you know maybe just as a as a you know as a point of departure or just going a little bit deeper there dovetailing a bit constance what are some of the effects maybe let's look at that that lack of information uh, what sort of net effects do we see uh, when that is happening okay uh, by lack of information it's yeah, it's a technical knockout it becomes difficult to actively or meaningfully participate in a process that you have knowledge about and in regards to electoral processes remember you have to register to vote to active to participate in an electoral process so if it didn't go well you you should register to vote or how or the requirements for one to register to vote automatically during the period to then go vote you wouldn't be able to do so that's number one number two when it comes to the process of voter fraud inspection and you have co- and you feel or you have you have no knowledge that, that there is that process that is happening you also fail to go check if you are also in the voter stroll again you won't be able to participate or to cast your vote so that lack of information in that regard automatically disenfranchise the affected to actively participate that's number one number two even if you are to need to be a candidate right you need to have information in terms of how you reach out to your constituency how you campaign how you can meaningfully um influence or in meaningfully uh pursue your political career and also deliver responsibly to your constituency that also requires an informed young person so information is a uh, it's, a base, it's basically capital that is needed for every citizen to effectively or meaningfully participate in electoral processes. And I like the, the use of the word meaningful participation because it's beyond just, you know, standing there and just being counted. It's, you know, having an effect and actually doing something that uh, is worthwhile in the process. Let's continue on yeah, looking at... Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, indeed, because... Uh, uh, with the regard to young people, we we are more much interested on uh, not only on the vote casting, but on also what happens post election. Mm. So now we need also information, or, or young people need information on how best to engage with the elected leaders, because um, the relationship that young people have with the public officers also have an effect in them. young people's participation in voter apathy. I would say so now. That information or that strategy designed 
for young people to continue engaging with their public officers post-elections, it's also necessary to then develop a, a, a youth behavior that actively participating in um, electoral processes and dismantle youth voter apathy. Mm. You are locked on to the exchange proudly sponsored by the Zimbabwe Election Support Network. Youth voices against violence in the elections is what we are discussing this evening. And I am joined by Constance Wilbert and Brighton, uh, just really uh, ventilating some of the issues there. Now, l- let me come back uh, to, to, to you, Wilfred, in terms of some of the effects of uh, this political violence. What, what else can you bring to light? So there are quite a number of uh, effects of political violence, uh, which include uh, the issue of shrinking space for youth participation. Most youth end up not participating in the electoral processes. And also this division for uh, family division. We end up having families divided, dividing because of uh, political violence. Brighton, would you like to also add in? And it's quite interesting that, you know, is it democracy that in one household, in terms of political affiliation, I think even as you as you give us your answer there. Yes, that's the democracy for you. It's just the liberty to choose, the liberty to express ourselves. So sometimes we express ourselves in the same way, sometimes it differs. Then coming back to the issue of the effects of uh, political violence, Violence by its nature is destructive and it often results in the loss of lives, loss of property, everything. Will be, we risk losing everything because of violence. Those are, that is one of the challenges of uh, political violence. Then also, uh, as the question has already mentioned, it leads to low voter turnout and low participation. Because it becomes a risky affair. So people will restrain from exercising their democratic rights. Like in our constitution, section 67 of the constitution speaks to political rights, uh, the right to participate, the right to vote and to be voted for, to the right to seek to, for public office. Now if it becomes the life and death affair, people may restrain from exercising their democratic right. Then also for elections to be considered free, fair and credible, they need to be free, free of violence. Now when there's violence in the election, we risk uh, our elections being not credible, not free and not fair. Both to be, for something to be free, definitely we need to move away from violence. So we risk losing everything as a nation, as individu- individuals, as companies, as companies, we lose, we risk losing everything because of political violence. So political violence is not something that affects only those people who are interested in politics. No, it affects everyone. Violence are, tends to affect everyone. Those who are actively participating in politics, the general citizens, our mothers, everyone risks losing everything because of violence. So it's very sad that we shine away from violence. Uh, let's take a look also at, at institutional violence. Do you think that has a bearing at all when, when we're talking about elections or to what extent does it manifest? Well, institutionalized violence is, is the one of the most uh, causes of violence in, in this country from my own perspective. But it's uh, normally, it's usually rare for someone just to think to conduct violence on his own when he's, he or she is an individual. But it's because of group behavior. Maybe at a political rally, then people get overexcited. Then maybe they are influenced directly or indirectly to attack others. So it's very nice uh, that is institutions, is political parties, is churches, 
is any other organizations, youth organizations, is whatever organization, is fairness that our messaging should be biased more towards peace. Our messaging should be biased more towards people accessing their rights while it's tolerating other people's views. Through that way, we can actually manage to end the case of violence and keep or reduce or even eliminate violence at all. Mm. Because I often hear that, you know, the youths are energy, and sometimes for the wrong ends. You want to also comment on that, Wilfred? Uh, yes, most of the time, us youths in the Sutenge Tripa forefront, and it's energy. Saga, we believe good Jesus is my young people who should be not used for wrong reasons. Mm, mm, yes. mm, mm, I like that. Um, now, Constance, l- let's come to some of the solutions and recommendations that can be made uh, so that, you know, some of these issues that we're talking about, that the various forms of violence, uh, electoral violence, political violence, you talked about, you know, lack of information, we talked about the institutional violence. What are some of the solutions uh, towards ending uh, these forms of violence? Okay. Um, so, to, to minimize, okay, uh, elections related violence one relating to information um robust voter ed- continuous voter education needs to be done and also that needs to be done targeting communities that have limited access to different forms of um, traditional media that are often used in the recent days to cascade information especially relating to um, elections. So I'm speaking about co- the periphery communities down Binga there, down Mrewa there, like all those Papa communities. It is important that um, be it citizens or um, uh, organizations that are accredited to do voter education to physically reach out to the groups and also share information and also to, even through the use of flyers and also other different IEC materials targeting those communities so that they have access to information continuously relating to electoral processes. That's number one. Number two, um, violence is also an issue of human behavior. You mentioned um, just now that young people are mostly used in as pawns in this in these electoral processes, participating also in different forms of violence. So I, I think we need to to cascade more information targeting young people on peace and tolerance, and also to help different campaigns engaging young people to to be leaders, to be ambassadors of peace and tolerance in their different political parties in the in their communities so that at the end of the day we appreciate diversity among uh, considering that the constituents the constitution um gives room for every citizen to choose their their po- whichever political party they may need to affiliate with in terms of freedom of association so now we need then as as the people to educate or to inform each other to then appreciate diversity and tolerance uh, amongst different party lines uh, Brighton, can you come in and give us you know some solutions to to curb uh, you know some of the forms of violence we've been discussing tonight Okay, I will think I will start by the what youth can do with respect to keeping or stopping violence. I think we should understand that the elections they come and go, 
and therefore we should not be overexcited. It's about just electing the leaders who we believe in, who we think will take our communities in the right direction. So just turn up to vote, campaign peacefully, and don't get too excited. That's the first issue. Then also as political parties, they should act in a responsible manner. They should encourage their members to campaign peacefully and to express their rights peacefully. Being mindful that other people also with different views, they need also to campaign peacefully and to vote peacefully. So I think political parties need to have a peaceful message in their approach with the rallies or whatever forms of media they use. Then also, I think churches can also play a critical role. They can also influence people to act in a way that is peaceful, to express their rights in a peaceful way. I think those are some of the ways that can be done. Then also not forgetting those members of the Zimbabwe Republic Police, our police force, our police service. They should also be strict on issues to do with violence. Whatever type of violence it might be, they need to be strict and ensure that all those who commit violence offenses are dealt with decisively to ensure that people restrain from committing violence. Ah, uh, Wilfred, come in as well. Some solutions. All right. So a lot has been said by my fellow colleagues. So for me, I think there is need to come up with a youth-friendly voter uh, education strategies because most of our youths uh, sometimes they don't read that much. So we need to come up. With so in other words, you're saying that the current messaging is boring and it's not capturing the youth's attention. Yeah, some of them. <laughs> some of the material is long sometimes so we need to come up with youth friendly uh, uh, messages mm, mm. Yes. very important I think uh, uh, and I do hope that stakeholders are taking that on board maybe use of TikTok videos uh, and something innovative to capture the attention, the very short attention spans uh, out there now in terms of what the country benefits tell me a little bit about that I mean it goes without saying that they are benefits to to a peaceful uh, or a violent free election Constance, come in there and am I correct in assuming that just by being violence free the election is peaceful are there any other factors that are considered maybe as you uh, inform us with your submission on the benefits of having a violent free election um, I think if we're having a peaceful election we have uh, well, basically, that speaks to democracy and it also encourages citizen participation. I will share an experience that I once had. I remember um, the other day I was invited by um, by a friend for a date, and then I recommended that we go for a game. Highlanders and Zimbabwe were playing, and then you quickly dismissed that. He said it never ends well because he mentioned that um, the game, the game usually ends with violence, people beating each other, and things like that. So we failed to go there, not because we couldn't. Um, we had means to, to to go to the stadium and all, but it's because he was intimidated by. Um, or by the regular violence that happens during the game he mentioned. So now I think violence in its own, it discourages citizens' participation in any processes, elections or anything else. So if we are to have um, a, a violence-free election that speaks to democracy and also it encourages active and meaningful citizen participation. Brighton benefits of um, a violent-free election? Yeah, there are many benefits relating to conducting violent-free elections. 
like what we have already said, violence uh, may lead to destruction of property and even loss of lives. So if we can have a violent-free election, it means we can actually protect our properties. We can also secure our life. We can also ensure the enjoyment of the basic liberties, the constitutional rights, particularly the right to vote and to be voted for, the right to peaceful assembly, association, so that everyone can actually enjoy their constitutional rights. That's the benefit number one. Then secondly, for elections to be considered free, fair and credible, the, it is a requirement that they must be violent free. That's the first element of a free, fair and democratic electoral process. There might be other issues to consider, but the most important, the first one to consider is a violent free elections. Because without, with violence, people can never freely express themselves. In the modern society we are living in, the will of the people is the only way that a government can be composed. So the will of the people can only be expressed if there is no violence. So it is important that uh, elections are violent-free. Then also when it comes to development, right now it has, come a, it has become a standard worldwide that for international development partners like the United Nations, we talk of UNICEF and other international organizations, particularly United Nations agents, they require that elections be free, fair, and credible. And the number one issue for elections to be free is to maintain a non-violent election so that everyone expresses their rights. Then when also it comes to local and international investors, when someone wants to put his or her money on something, on a certain project, he or she need to be guaranteed that there will be peace in this community, there will be peace in this country, so that his or her assets are protected. Now, when you, when you can do a free and credible election, which is non-violent, we tend to benefit more. Local people will invest more in this country. And also international business partners who have interest in investing in this country can actually come as a result of that. Then also as citizens, we are able to enjoy our rights, our fundamental rights, we are able to express our will, our will freely. So that's, those are some of the major importance of why violence, why we should ensure a violent free election. Wilfred, would you also like to come in uh, there with any other points that you think are important uh, to highlight when it comes to violent free elections and the benefits of maintaining that status quo? Well, so I believe uh, if we have uh, violent free elections, uh, more youths mainly focusing on youths who register to vote. No, not everyone who want to participate in an election that is violent. So I believe if we have a free and fair and violent free elections, more youths will register to vote. Hmm. Participate in electoral processes. So it encourages that participation, there's no fear? Ultimately, indeed. Now, we fast run out of time this evening uh, in this discussion. Constance, uh, uh, let me hear your closing remarks uh, to the youths listening uh, on ending violence or just amplifying the youth voice uh, as we approach the 23rd of August. Um, I would say to the listeners or to every voter registered listener, please turn out and vote on the 23rd of August. Cheers. Oh, oh so very short and sharp. Eh? Sweet, <laughs> short and sweet there. Uh, Wilbert, uh, coming to you, your parting shot and message to the youths ahead of uh, the 23rd of August. 
Alright, so everyone, let's vote in peace. Hashtag Buka Mirishonga. Hashtag G? Buka Mirishonga. Alright, alright. Hashtag Buka Mirishonga. And Brighton, last but certainly not least, your message uh, ahead of the 23rd of August to the youths and all listening. Go out in voting your numbers. Don't get too excited. Elect your best candidate. Thank you, listeners. Fantastic. Well, there you have it. Youth Voices Against Violence during the electoral period. This program proudly sponsored by Zimbabwe Election Support Network. And I do want to thank my guests this evening, Constance Maseko, Programs Officer with YETT, uh, Wilbert Jenner, uh, Team Leader for Youths by Youths, and Brighton Tarubirikera, uh, ZESN Projects Officer. This has been The Exchange on Capital 100.4 FM, Harare's Heartbeat. My name is Rubis and get the legal bay enjoy the rest of your listening on this uh, edition of the deep dive good night this program was brought to you by the zimbabwe election support network <laughs>